0: Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. You're seeing Papa Joe to the side of me right now because that means it's coming up very, very soon here, and I'm excited for the opportunity to share that with you. So many great things are coming up on today's show, and I very much look forward to bringing those to you here this morning on January 23rd, the beautiful... Thursday that we have here January 23rd so a lot of great stuff that's coming up here as you see in Armand Paz Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory just like they put it together we are putting it together for you over here in the corner showing you what's coming up on today's broadcast of Wake Up Call. With Dan Tortora. So, without further ado, let's hop into it. We're inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios. You're listening live on mixlr.com backslash wake up call DT. You're watching live on facebook.com backslash live now DT. And we are so happy to have you here. So happy to be with you inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios. There is nothing better than Charney's, the largest. The largest walk-in closet for men in central and upstate New York is at Charney, something for Every size, regular size, big and tall, every style, every man at Charney's. Go there today, and they have all the winter gear that you need. So if you're trying to warm up and it's cold as heck outside, I mean, it's cold inside, it's cold outside. It's 26 degrees right now. The high today, wait for it, folks, it's going to get frisky. The high today is 38 degrees. Tomorrow's 44. Saturday, it's decided not to potentially snow as it was supposed to. And then it's going to snow Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Well, we've been in the 30s, but the weather is changing. So we had snow in the forecast, and now it's shifting. Next Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is supposed to be partly sunny, still be cold, and then Saturday cloudy again. So we're staying in the, the high 30s, low 30s, low 40s, but it looks like we're going to have less snow as we get rocking and rolling here. So make sure you get out to Charney's, warm yourself up. They got the best stuff out there for, like I said, all men, all sizes, all different styles. Go out and get it today so you can stay warm in this beautiful weather. Monpa's Kettle Corn and Popcorn Factory proudly brings you What's Poppin' list of topics for the day. Every Thursday in the first hour, you know what it is. PJ PJ is going to be joining the show. Papa Joe will be with us to talk on a bunch of different topics. We will be speaking on the new Jaguars offensive coordinator, Jay Gruden, and his history as well as what Doug Marone had to say. We'll be speaking on the Boise State lawsuit. Syracuse losing their defensive coordinator before he even had time to burp in central New York. And we'll also get into the college football playoff committee has added some members and more as we'll obviously get Papa Joe's take on Kansas City defeating Tennessee as well as The San Francisco 49ers take it down those Green Bay Packers, which I know is close to home for Miss Mary T, his wife and and, uh, another mom to me, Miss Mary T and her family, loving up those Green Bay Packers, who unfortunately took an L and will not be heading to another Super Bowl and instead the San Francisco 49ers will be going in their place. So plenty to talk about with Papa Joe and then in hour number two you see the ESM East Syracuse Manoa logo and you see Trapper's logo as well. That is because in hour number two we will be featuring East Syracuse Manoa Boys Basketball Special with me from Trapper's Pizza Pub. So I'll be playing that for you, and you'll get to hear from so many different representatives of the team, including head coach Jim Kilpatrick. You'll also be hearing in that broadcast from Trapper's Pizza Pub, you'll be hearing from uh, Nate Chi Cook, as well as Nick Peterson, Jimmy Ferns and Devin Moscato-Buffalo, as well as Matt Burchill-Wright. So they'll all be joining the show in just a little bit in hour number two of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora in our East Syracuse Manoa special from Trapper's Pizza Pub, the first ever one that we've done. So we have now officially started the party at Trapper's and started this connection here with East Syracuse Manoa. I'm ecstatic about it, very much looking forward to all that will be coming up with ESM. So thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you for coming out to Trappers and continuing to go to Trappers as they support our local community. We ask that you support them and I look forward for all that is to come with that. So a big time special coming up in hour number two. But before that, PJ PJ is on the show and let's bring him in. Papa Joe, how are we doing today? We got Papa Joe here. How are we doing?
1: Good morning Daniel, what's up?
0: <laughs> Not too much. How is uh how's life down in Florida? I heard that uh that for the the first day of Pro Bowl festivities yesterday it was total sun, total blue skies, but it was like sixty degrees outside. How's life down there right now?
1: Right now it'll be it'll go up to seventy today. We had a couple of days where it was in the mid fifties, which is you know that's that chilly for us down here. Forty at night that's that's unacceptable.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, unacceptable. You're forty at night, and we're not even going to get to forty today with the sun out. So
1: yeah.
0: it's a different world up here in Syracuse. We're happy to have Papa Joe here with us, joining us from the second home of Wake Up Call with Dan which is the great state of Florida. PJ, we got a lot to discuss. Let's start with Kansas City and Tennessee. Tennessee came out striking. They were up. They had created themselves a good cushion. They're up 17-7. to Then all of a sudden, Pat Mahomes got going, doing what he did. He gave Tyreek Hill a perfect ball that was dropped in very tight space. Then he was able to take off for a run where he should have been tackled, should have been sacked, maybe for a three-yard loss. Instead, he takes off running. Nobody can stop him, and he spirals into, he spins into the end zone and falls in and gives them a lead at halftime, 21-17. to And then nobody scores in the third quarter and the Chiefs take care of the fourth at home, and the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl. Uh, What's your take on the Titans-Chiefs game that you watched?
1: Well, you give Andy Reid a few few, uh, opportunities to score, and he's going to do that. You know, Tennessee came out strong. Uh, They scored, which I didn't think they were going to score that much anyway, but uh, Tannehill's doing a good job for them. Uh, Mahomes is such an extraordinary young man, an extraordinary football player. You know, he just he just does his thing back there. He's sort of like Rogers. Uh, he just moves his feet from left to right and back and forward and everything. And he scoops out of the pocket and he's all sorts of problems. Uh, you know, they had Kansas City's defense had to take care of Derek Henry and, and they did. Uh, I didn't think Kansas City's defense was going to be all that strong, frankly. And I don't know about the Super Bowl coming up, but uh, Andy Reid is a first-class coach. He's a Hall of Fame coach. He wins wherever he goes, and he gets the best out of his players, and that certainly it's true at at Kansas City. So he does have some great athletes there.
0: Now, last year, you know, Kansas City dealt with the fact that they decided to get rid of Kareem Hunt amidst all of the issues that were going on with Kareem Hunt. They decide to let him go, and then we look back at the game, and, and, you know, if you look at the reality of it all, you say, okay, well, they probably should have beaten the Patriots last year in the playoffs and maybe had a, you know, because if they had Kareem Hunt they only lost by eight. You would imagine that he would have been able to get them at least a touchdown and, and, and whatnot. Maybe then some get them in field goal range, get them to win by a point or whatever it may be. So that doesn't happen last year. This year, they know they don't have Kareem Hunt. They prepare for not having Kareem Hunt as they step into a new season. So did you get a sense or maybe a feeling that last year uh, a run to the Super Bowl was maybe stolen from them and then this year is maybe redemption? Did you get any of that feel?
1: No, not really. Uh, you know, the Patriots you've got to be on your your top game to beat them. Uh I, I didn't I I didn't think last year's game was an upset at all. Uh but you know, give give Coach Reed some credit. If he has to prepare uh for the, the off season like he did this year, uh he, he's gonna score some points and he's gonna stop some runs and, and passes. Uh I was impressed with uh the way Kansas City's uh wide receivers play. Where they seem to fill the gaps and they seem to find holes when Mahomes is running around. You know, that's a trick with these guys that are moving quarterbacks, you know, like Lamar Jackson. You know, the, the wide receivers can't stop running their routes. If they do stop their running routes, they're gonna stand there and they're not gonna get the ball. So, you know, when when the quarterback moves, you gotta move. So then if you move to space, you'll find you. And that's what Mahomes does. He's it's extraordinary fun to watch too. He's a he's a fiery guy and he fires his guys up and uh, he does have a great a great offensive team right now. And I think Kelsey is probably the best tight end in football. We're going to see the two best tight ends in football in the, in the Super
0: Bowl. Well, and that's the thing that's pretty interesting is that, you know, we talk about Zach Ertz of Philly, George Kittle of San Fran, and Travis Kelsey of Kansas City. And, you know, arguably those are the top three tight ends in the nation. So you bring up a, a great topic that I was thinking about myself, that we're going to see arguably the, the two best tight ends in football which is, you know, the tight end sometimes feels like a lost art. And and not only that, but, you know, to see the two best is pretty special. So I like that you brought up that topic because that's going to be something that I'm definitely circling for the Super Bowl and excited to see is George Kittle go up. You know, George Kittle on one side, Travis Kelsey on the other.
1: Absolutely. I love Kittle. I mean, you know, these guys, uh, they're, they're too big for linebackers. They're too fast for linebackers. And they're too big for running for uh, defensive backs. Uh, they're almost as fast as the, the defensive backs. Uh, these guys, these guys have got a motor on them, and you know they're six five, six six, and two forty. I mean, a, a guy that big shouldn't be able to run that fast, and they, they do. Derrick uh, Henry can prove that. Uh, these guys can can pull the rock in, and, and they'll do it. It's it's you know these two guys going against each other. We're just going to see how good. The offensive coordinators for both teams. You know, are they going to get the ball to their tight ends early? If that's the case, then that's going to open up the wide receivers and the running back coming out of the backfield. So these two guys are critical uh, for the teams in the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, you know, and seeing seeing these tight ends do what they got to do and be able to, you know, get to this point. We don't always get to see the best of the best on each side. And then when we look at the the other piece of it. You know, we look at quarterbacks. Uh, what's your take on this? I mean, on one side, we're seeing, you know, Pat Mahomes, who has really, truly, you know, come out and done some fantastic things. And, you know, the thought of, you know, if he keeps his numbers out, if he does this, he does that, it could be one of the greatest quarterbacks in history. Then we got Jimmy Garoppolo on the other side that really doesn't have to throw that much. He hasn't had to do all too much here in the playoffs. I mean, they, they advanced as the number one seed through the first round. They weren't in the wild card. And then... When they played in their set in the in the second round of the divisional round, the Niners' first game, when they went and did that, you know the the Niners were in a situation where they could run the ball a lot. That's what they had been leaning on. So if we go back and we look at that game, Jimmy Garoppolo only threw 19 passes to defeat the Vikings. He was 11 of 19. They relied heavily on the run by Raheem Mostert and Kevin Coleman. And then if we go into the game after that, which was this championship round game against the Packers. He only threw eight passes in the game, six for eight, didn't throw a touchdown or an interception. So we got Pat Mahomes doing everything on the other side, and we got Jimmy Garoppolo just handing the ball off in these playoffs. So what's your take on the quarterbacks going up against each other when Mahomes can run and Mahomes can throw, and then Jimmy G, granted we believe he can throw, he hasn't really had to in the playoffs.
1: I don't fall into that trap. Uh, Jimmy G's a first-class quarterback, probably one of the top five in the and NFL. You know, the the grumpy lobster boat captain over there in New England doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Uh, but he made a mistake here. He should have never traded Garoppolo. Probably would have hastened the exit of Tom Brady maybe a little bit earlier. Uh no, Garoppolo's got all the tools he needs, uh he needs to win. Uh just because he doesn't throw it doesn't mean he can't throw it that's for sure. I mean Kittle and those guys out there are are just as good a wide receivers and tight ends as Kansas City. Uh, the take I get is that it's it he's if he has to throw forty passes in a game, he'll complete thirty for three hundred yards. So don't fall into that trap. Now he's a first-rate quarterback.
0: And we go back and we look at you know obviously you're you got a scheme to beat the teams that you're playing up against and whatnot. If we look back at Jimmy G throughout the season. You know, multiple games where he threw under 30 passes in a game, but he did throw 32 against Pittsburgh, 33 against the Rams. He threw 46 passes against Seattle, 45 against Arizona. 35 against New Orleans, 34 against Atlanta, but the other games he's kept himself below it here. In the postseason, he's only thrown 27 passes total. What can you say about the rushing attack? They've been able to lean on Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert, most recently against Green Bay, had four rushing touchdowns, 220 yards. He outran all of Green Bay's backfield by over 150 yards. What's your take on the fact that you know you believe Jimmy G can throw, but he hasn't had to? They've been able to rely on the run. What can you say about the running game of San Francisco up to this point?
1: Well, you know, my brother's up in Milwaukee. They're they're hurting cheese heads because what what Kansas City exposed was a really defi- deficient uh, uh, Green Bay defensive line. Uh, well, no Warner looks like he's going to be the real deal. He's—I didn't think he was as big as he is, but he's fast, uh, and that's probably uh, his biggest attribute. But you know, we really don't know. Uh, you know, I've always preached to you when we do big shows that win championship that's going to happen this year, I'm, I'm sure of it. But if, if he gets going downhill, uh, that's great. But I don't know what happened to Green Bay. I, they came out flat. May they weren't fired up. It just doesn't—it didn't feel the same. Uh, and you know, you I try to get as many Green Bay on as I can, even though we don't get them down here in Florida that much. When I do, you know, they're 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 doing well. And they run they run the ball, they pass the ball. I mean, Rodgers is not washed up by any stretch of the imagination. But they, you know, the defense just fell flat. I mean, it just they, they weren't there. I don't know what the problem was, but that's for the coach to decide, not me. But they better sharpen their pencils. That's all. Get yeah. rid of some guys. Bring in some guys. Well, that's what they need. They need
0: more speed. And that's the thing. Their rushing attack hasn't scared anybody, not me, in a very long time. I I have not been impressed by their rushing attack by any stretch of the imagination, uh, not at all. You know, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, I'm just not sold on any of it. And as we sit here today and you had brought up, you know, San Fran just took it to Green Bay. San Fran played Green Bay in the regular season, scored 37 points on them. They they play them in the championship round of the NFC uh, championship here in the playoffs this year, and they score 37 on them again. They allow 20 this time, eight last time. They have defeated Green Bay in San Francisco twice this season by a score of 74 to 28. Your thoughts on that?
1: Awful, awful. I, you know, I, I think I'm beginning to think that maybe Green Bay's record was a little bit better than their actual team is. Uh, If they played a really good team, they get blown out. And this was the case of San Francisco. They had, you know, they had plenty of time to prepare for San Fran again. Uh, Just because they're playing in San Francisco doesn't mean anything. Of course, they'd rather play them in Milwaukee or Green Bay where it's 10 degrees. Uh, But, you know, that's not the case. And you got to be able to prepare better than that. It seems like to me they they didn't learn a thing after being crunched uh, two months ago. So I I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. but... The young coach is going to have to, uh, you know, he's going to have to do some homework a little bit more. Uh, you, if you're going to prepare for a good defensive team like San Francisco, you got to be able to score on them. And uh, defenses, as I said, is going to win championships. And I do believe this was Super Bowl with San Francisco.
0: And uh, one of our uh, our resident Detroit fan uh, Johnny here, who's very devout to the show, he said, "Detroit Super Bowl 2021, bye bye Rogers, and is near, hallelujah." So. He, he wants to see uh, Rogers go away. i got to ask you this question, PJ, before we, we get off uh, the, the playoffs and, and getting set up for the Super Bowl because we'll have time to talk about it next week too, but I do want to ask you about this here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Charneys Men's Wear and Tuxedo Studios 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York, is where you got to go to get everything you need. And, uh, and, and, uh, baby Joe Lando, he had some thoughts on this as well. So we're going to get to him in a second, but, uh, PJ, I got to ask you, Aaron Rodgers, is he the best quarterback talent wise alone? I got two questions. Is he the best quarterback in the NFL strictly talent wise? And is he one of the best quarterbacks ever in the history of the NFL? Well,
1: he's certainly one of the best quarterbacks ever quarterback position is extremely difficult to play. There are a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL that are probably maybe playing better than Rodgers. You know, Rodgers only had one uh, one coach, McCarthy, for all these years, and now he's got a new coach, a new system, new offensive coordinators, do this, do that, and that. And he, he grasped it as well as he could, and he realized early on that he didn't have to throw 50 passes a game to win. They did have a good running back. I think Aaron Jones is a spectacular young running back. And I think he's going to be the future of, of uh, Green Bay. And I think that Green Bay was looking at what Sam Francisco did and uh, once run the ball and keep the ball for several minutes. If you have to put the game in someone's hands, I would want the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands. There's nothing wrong with Rodgers. He may be on the downside of his uh, career, but no, if, if you give him a chance to win the game, we've seen it several times over the years, you give him a chance to win the game and he'll win the game. His wide receivers are, you know, they're so-so. He's, he still, he still has to get command of them. There's three or four guys that are, are good. Devontae Adams is one of the best. And we've seen that Devontae Adams is his go-to guy. So if he goes to Devontae, that means the other guys are not doing their job. So, uh, when you only, when you have to reduce the number of tar- targets you just throw, he doesn't have a tight end. Jimmy Graham is, is not going to work for him. So, you know, they just got to, they got to draft better. They need speed on both sides of the ball
0: you know in 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 little joe and big joe i guess are are you know got some osmosis right now because because uh mr mr joey made the statement here this morning he said they need receivers rodgers needs receivers right now you know aaron rodgers has devonte adams who is one of the best receivers in the country and you know they have Alan lazard who the the Jacksonville Jaguars let go. He ended up going to Green Bay, and Aaron likes him. But Aaron has also critiqued the receivers on the team. You know, he's made statements before in practice that he wants to see more from them. He's called them out publicly. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, we're used to seeing... That you know some from fantastic receivers when it comes to Green Bay. You know we're used to seeing your your Aaron Brooks and your you know I mean and your, your Robert Brooks and I mean there's been so many great guys when we look through the history of the Green Bay Packers and some of the guys that they have had. You know you know Green Bay Packers receivers in history, just their totals, their stats, what they've been able to do. You know historically there's there's been some. There's been some great people that have come through there. But right now, it's hard to say. I mean, we had Donald Driver, who I got to meet. Sterling Sharp was there. You know, obviously, Jordy Nelson, Antonio Freeman, Robert Brooks. Antonio Freeman and Robert Brooks, I really got to, you know, grow up watching and appreciating. And, you know, Desmond Howard was there as a return specialist. What do you think about the receivers nowadays in Green Bay besides Devontae Adams?
1: Uh, they need they need more. My son is right. They need And they need speed. Uh, but there is one, one wide receiver that I'd like to see get more time, and that's Jay Kumaro. I've seen him in the last couple of years in games that I've watched. Uh, he does a good job. He reminds me a lot of Jordy Nelson. I think he's a good possession receiver. Uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers is no different than any other quarterback. When it's crunch time and he needs to find someone, you know, he's, he's looking at Devontae Adams. But Adams could get doubled up on the outside and, and he's, he's going inside and he doesn't see anyone. I mean, Jimmy Graham is at the end of his career. Uh, there's another big tight end. I can't think of his name, but he's, he's too slow. They just need speed. They need someone like Kels or Kittle, uh, to get the pressure off Rodgers. Certainly you'd love to have a tight end that can beat the linebackers and go over up top over the defensive backs to get a first down. And Rodgers does not have that. Uh, they're going to have to I say to sharpen their pencil. They need to bring in some speed uh, and leave Devonte uh, Devonte Adams one on the outside, and they'll be fine.
0: And we got a, a message that came in here uh, from one of our listeners that said, "Let's see what we got here." Uh, his body language. Speaking of uh, Aaron Rodgers, his body language says everything when they're up and winning. He is discount double-checking when they are losing. His, his, uh, his head is always, he always got his head down and not trying to get guys going on the sideline. Always acting like it isn't his fault. So, I mean, we know that Rodgers has come out and, and like I said, he's critiqued his receivers. He's gotten frustrated publicly. You always know that there's more of a problem when you're willing to talk about it publicly. You know, if there's an issue in practice and you're talking about it, you're like, come on, guys, we got to do this. Or you grab a guy or you shake your head and you say, how could you miss that read and whatnot, that's one thing. But to go out publicly and address it, you know, that, that really is a frustration. Some people are saying Rodgers is blaming it on other people. Sometimes it's on him. You know, who is it on? Is it is it on the fact that, you know, this is a new coaching staff, and he had a falling out. It, it, it appeared to be with Mike McCarthy. Is it Aaron Rodgers making bad reads? It, are, is it the receivers? Is it everything? You know, what can you say to this? Because to have a, one of our listeners here bring up the body language, I could. I told people all the time, I always knew when the Cowboys were going to lose a game based on Tony Romo's body language on the sideline. So, I mean, what can you say about, about all of this you know, storm of no McCarthy anymore, Aaron Rodgers' body language, publicly addressing the fact that he was not happy with his receivers, and, you know, the fact that Devontae Adams doesn't really have a guy that can take a lot of pressure off of him. What's what's your takeaway from this giant cluster? Because they're still playing good, they're just not good enough right now.
1: Um, my brother-in-laws in Milwaukee have, have always told me that Rodgers is a little bit of a prima donna. Uh, and that's that's essentially the case. Your listeners to us are exactly right with Rodgers. Uh, Rodgers is not a very emotional guy, but he expects he expects his guys to do the job, and he he he, he will chew out a receiver if he's not in the right position. But Rodgers is is a little bit of a prima donna, a little bit of a diva. He's hard to get along with. You know him and McCarthy just you know they ran it as best they could. They they lasted as long as they could, and it was time to move on. So. You know, there's a saying that uh, quarterbacks can get coaches fired, and I think that's what happened with uh, Mr. Rogers. Rogers got McCarthy to go, and uh, Rogers is right. He doesn't do anything on the sidelines. He just he doesn't go sit down and look at look at things like the rest of the quarterbacks do. He's not a rah rah guy. Uh, frankly, he's a pain in the ass. So, but you know, they win, and let's see what happens.
0: Well, you know, and it's kind of funny that you say that because when you call them, uh, you know, when you call them Mr. Rogers. All I'm thinking in my head of him getting, you know, getting a coach to, you know, like him and McCarthy doing it as best they could, and then McCarthy's gone, is to essentially call it Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Because it, it is it is his. You know, and they've decided the Green Bay is his. Just like, you know, Mike Tomlin had basically decided, at least in recent history, that the Steelers, Pittsburgh was, you know, belonged to Ben Roethlisberger. So, you know, we, we look at where things are at right now and, and how we move forward. Let's shift over to Tom Brady and, and, oh, it's really funny because we just had a message come in about Tom Brady, but I was about to shift to him. Let's read this message. I hate to say it, but you look at Tom Brady and help you out, a receiver or a player, whether they're winning or losing, and that's what makes him one of the greats, if not the greatest. So Tom Brady on the other side, him and Bill Belichick, they figured out a way to make it work, at least for now. Every year we hear about the drama of the Patriots. I think the Patriots create this. I think the P- the Patriots release fake news into the media in order to stir things up. So everybody's like, oh my God, the Patriots are going to lose this year because look at all the problems they're having, but then they're never really having that many problems. What's what's your sense of all this? And I mean, once again, we're hearing Patriots, Tom Brady, they're not going to stay together. They're probably going to separate. It's probably not going to work out. There's landing spots for Tom Brady. Will he go to the Chargers because Phillip Rivers is older and yada, yada. Do you buy into any of this that happens every single year, or are you just kind of over all this? Because we're looking at the reality of it all is that Tom Brady always ends up back in New England, and so does Josh McDaniels and company. What do you think about the the constant every single year Tom Brady's going to leave because he hasn't yet?
1: Oh, it's all BS. And, you know, they just stir the pot. There's, just no, there's, there's, no, there's no truth to any of that stuff. You know Brady's going to make the best decision possible for him and his family. You know these guys, these pundits, get on the soapboxes and they start preaching this and preaching that. Oh, he's moved out. he's he sold. He's selling his house. He moved out. of Boston. Da da da. You know you can't they can't believe any of that stuff. I mean Brady Brady is Brady. I mean, uh, do you see the difference between two Hall of Fame quarterbacks and Brady and Rodgers? Brady is is. We'll talk to receivers, and he'll chew them out. He'll say. I remember a couple of years ago we had a. When Todd Haley was an offensive coordinator, and uh, they got into it on the bench, yelling at each other, and you know that's Brady's a fiery guy. Rodgers is not that kind of guy. He expects guys to do their job, yeah. and if they don't, he 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 just he sort of shrugs your shoulders. But Rogers is the prima donna. Tom Brady is not a prima donna.
0: And I mean, you know the thing with Tom Brady is he does help out his receivers. He does he does you know seemingly build them up I would imagine you know from what we see and whatnot so I can can say that about him but you know when we look at moving forward and the changes that are going to be made I do want to address this very quickly PJ before we jump into some other topics and that is the fact that Eli Manning is announcing his retirement I thought that him and Andy Dalton getting replaced this season when they were healthy was a sign of the beginning of the end of their NFL career at least on the field and now it's here. You know, I thought that he would retire, but now we're actually seeing the reality that he is retiring. Thoughts on Eli Manning hanging up after two Super Bowls, defeating Tom Brady and the Patriots in both of those Super Bowls?
1: Uh, Hall of Fame quarterback. I mean, he's just a, he was a good good quarterback. Uh, you can see how a big, tall guy like that can stand in a pocket and fling the, the ball around the yard the way old Coach used to say, "Pitch it around the yard. You know, he didn't have to run he just he just did his job and he did it very well. And he when you win two, when you win one Super Bowl, maybe you're lucky. When you win two Super Bowls, you're good. And he was that good. I'm I'm happy that he made the decision. I don't like to see these guys hang on and try to, uh, to win somewhere else. I hope Brady doesn't do that. Brady deserves a chance to go out on top. He, he should be able to make his own decision and say, I'll play for New England one more year or two more years. Uh, and I won't go anywhere else. And the same with Philip Rivers. Philip Bridges is a great quarterback. I mean, he has been for years, throws the ball everywhere. I mean, he's got a great arm, uh, fiery kind of guy too. Uh, maybe he and Rogers should switch, switch positions or switch, hometowns. towns. Uh, I, I don't want to see these guys hang on. Uh, Eli Manning did the right thing. He retired on top, even though he was replaced this year. He's, he's retired. Then our football fans knowing that he won two, two, two Super Bowls in his innings. Extremely good
0: quarterback. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing is, you know, like you said, he's leaving on his own terms, he's leaving on top. You know, he came back and he was able to win a game when he came back in this year. So I honestly think if he leaves now, he leaves on a high note. He leaves with people thinking about the fact that, oh, well, when he filled in this year for Daniel Jones, you know, he was able to to win that game and that was pretty special. And, you know, he got these Super Bowls. I just have a feeling, right, I, I go with senses and vibes. And what I'm vibing right now is that, you know, Eli Manning leaving at the time that he's leaving, he's leaving on a good note. He's leaving on a high note. He's leaving with people thinking about his Super Bowls and thinking about him passing the torch. They're not, you know, to your point, thinking about him just waiting, holding on too long, and leaving, you know, all beaten and bruised and not looking like himself, which I think is a good thing.
1: You know, how, how much money do these guys need? I mean, these quarterbacks we're talking about are in the over $20 million a year range. I mean, Tom Brady doesn't have to keep playing. He's got enough money to buy half of Boston, for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah. Aaron Rodgers just bought a $37 million house over there in, in in California with his honey there, Danica Patrick. So, you know, these guys don't need to hang on. And when Eli Manning saw that they drafted Daniel Jones as quarterback, he yeah. knew right then that his time was up. And that's the way these guys should do it. If Jimmy Garoppolo was still playing for – For New England, Tom Brady probably wouldn't be there right now. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a backup. So he hasn't had a backup in several years. So good luck with that. I'm not sure Roger would take the time to teach anyone anyway. All
0: right. Well, and that's the thing, I you know, <laughs> no, but there's a the reality of it all is, you know, when you don't, and when you don't have the competition behind you, you kind of, you know, feel like you are going to be there forever. And, you know, with the Patriots getting rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, they basically told Tom Brady, you could stay here till you're 105 years old. Cause we're not going to, you know, they had a pretty good backup and he played in the preseason. They let him go. And then they had, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo and he was playing well and they let him go. So they've let Brady know this is your team for as long as you want to be here, but how long are you willing to stay and do you want to stay and be on top or do you want to, you know, stay and have those, those issues at the end. So always proud to be hanging out with you inside of the Charney's menswear and tuxedo studios on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. And guess where wake up call is going to be tomorrow. We're going to be at Charney's. So come out and see us. We'll be there for our normal broadcast time of 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time. We'll be on the showroom floor on site on location at Charney's. So come over, say hi, get some stuff that you need. The, the largest walk-in closet for men in Central New York is located at Charney's Men's and Tuxedos. Never too early to get what you need. And if you're cold, obviously, you got to get it right now. So head off to Charney's with all different styles, all different wonderful, <clears throat> wonderful styles, great people, great customer service. I can't say enough good things about Charney's. I really do appreciate the way that they treat us, and they're local. And they have the Tommy Bahama for Papa Joe and I, so that's making us feel all types of good inside. So make sure you come out to Charney's tomorrow. That is January 24th from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time and watch the live show. Shake hands. Let's, you know, interact and have a good time. I always like meeting people in our community and being able to say thank you for supporting what we do here with Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. So we look forward to seeing you out there. With that being said, PJ and I got plenty more to talk about. He's here with me every Thursday morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Time and we're and I think this is a great opportunity for the American Athletic Conference to kind of sneak right in and swoop Boise State, because the old Big East was trying to get Boise State, and Boise State had originally said yes. So, Mike Oresko was the commissioner of the old Big East. When they became the American Athletic, Mike Oresko stayed on as the commissioner. Mike Oresko's been on the show plenty of times throughout the years here, of the six plus years that I've covered the conference. Well, there could be an opportunity here. I'm going to give you a little backstory, then PJ and I are going to talk about it. Boise State is suing the Mountain West Conference. This is never a good sign when you're suing the conference you're in. It's like it's like you know, it's like being in a household with your wife or your husband and suing them while still living in the same house doesn't make a lot of sense. So they're suing the Mountain West Conference, alleging that the league and its other members breached the re-entry agreement for Boise State by approving a new television deal with CBS and Fox without Boise State's approval, reneging on $1.8 million annual bonuses that are supposed to go to the Boise State Broncos. Now, in the lawsuit that was filed in the state district court in Idaho on Friday, so this past week, Boise State alleges that the Mountain West reneged on two promises the league the league made when the Broncos agreed to stay and not leave for the Big East in 2012. Under the terms of an amended re-entry agreement, the Mountain West ensured that Boise State home games would be sold as a separate package from the rest of the league's football games and that the Broncos would receive a $1.8 million bonus every year in addition to their equal share of the league's remaining TV revenue. So, you know, obviously some added incentive on why they should stay with the Mountain West instead of going to the Big East. The lawsuit says during during a meeting with Boise State President Dr. Marlene Trump and Athletic Director Kurt Apsey at the Mountain West Championship game in Boise in December, League Commissioner Craig Thompson, quote, acknowledged that Boise State, and in particular its football team, was the driving force behind the new and much more favorable and profitable deal with Fox. Mr. Thompson also admitted that the increase in revenue to the Mountain West Conference and therefore to its members that would result from the new agreement with CBS and Fox was dependent in large part on Fox's expressed interest in Boise State's games. And as such, he understood why Boise State expected to and should receive more money than the other member institutions, even double the amount, end quote. In a joint statement this past Tuesday, Boise State and the Mountain West said the two are working toward a resolution, quote, The University of the Mountain West are currently in discussions in hopes of bringing this matter to a resolution without litigation. End quote. Trump, according to the lawsuit, told Thompson that, quote, not only did Boise State expect to retain the $1.8 million guaranteed bonus set forth in the reentry agreement amendment, but also to gain an additional proportionate share of the increased revenue from the new television deal with Fox. End quote. So the Mountain West new TV deal will reportedly triple distributions to its member schools, In the lawsuit, Boise State's attorneys alleged that the Mountain West Board of Directors, during a meeting December 15th and 16th, voted on whether to accept the CBS-Fox agreement and whether to continue paying Boise State a $1.8 million bonus for six more years, after which the payments would stop. So, we are here, we are in this moment, this is interesting, Boise State was supposed to get money, they got all these promises if they stayed in the conference, so the members are making money off of Boise State, and Boise State's making more money than the members are supposed to make because of the fact that they know kind of where they stand and the importance of having them in the conference, and now it looks like there's going to be some issues here because maybe the rest of the conference doesn't like it. So, PJ, what are your thoughts? Because what I'm getting from this is the Mountain West said, Boise, from what I see from the outside, Boise State, if you stay, we'll do more for you than we'll do for any of our other member schools. And that's what we're going to get to make you stay. And now that they have a new TV deal, we're going to profit off of you because who else knows anybody else in the Mountain West besides Boise State for the most part. So we're going to profit off of you. We're going to give you more money but now we're looking to maybe change up the terms of the deal and if they breached an agreement, as I know as a businessman, you could take anybody to court if they're breaching something. What are your thoughts on this?
1: Oh, it looks like Boise State's strong arming everyone. You know, uh, I'm not too familiar with uh, what the Big East does. I don't know why Boise State would even want to go to the Big East. I mean, come on. Uh, they're they're one of the first first flight independent teams. I call them independent. But they've never had a conference. The Western Athletic Conference doesn't do anything for me. What they should be, they should be in the Pac-10 or Pac-12 or Pac-14, whatever number they got over there, to play against the good teams: Washington, Washington State, Southern Cal, UCLA, and so on. That's where their money is. Why are they messing around like this? And it looks like that they can get they can get the cake and eat it too. They can get the 1.8 million dollars and get extra money for having their own games. They should be independent if they want to do that. Go join Notre Dame uh it's a ridiculous situation and it's uh frankly it, it's, it's disconcerting because uh, th- these are poise state is one of the top high schools in the country they always recruit well they have excellent coaches they have great players they play well they shouldn't be in this situation they should be in a conference where they can actually uh determine what their fate is i mean there's a very good chance that if they play in the Pac-12 or Pac-10, whatever they got over there, that they can maybe get into the playoff one year. They're not going to do it in what they're doing now. They, they, they run over the Western Conference. They run over the Big East too. So look at the you are going to have to pay them, or they're going to let. Uh, they're not going to have them. So Boise State, I think, should make some some, some better business decisions that doesn't <laughs> include either one of these conferences.
0: Well, and that's the thing is we look at you know the way it's set up right now. You know, was this was this something with the old Big East? Was the was that, you know, was Boise State asking for too much? Where, you know, was, you know what happened when it all fell through? Because ultimately, you know, Boise State didn't end up joining the Big East, but the, B, the Big East disbanded because San Diego State was looking at joining, you know, Boise State was looking at, it, TCU was looking at it as well. The Big East was going to gain all this, and they weren't going to be the Big East anymore. They were going to have a bunch of more schools, though. So it's just interesting to see, and I wonder what it's going to mean for the future of Boise State in the Mountain West Conference, because if you're going through these issues, and you're going through lawsuits, and you're looking at the other members, you know, the other members' schools maybe are voting, maybe they're not, you know, they're not really keen on the fact that you're making more money, but they are profiting off of you. You know, you see it from both angles. You say, okay, well, the other schools shouldn't be getting less money if it's profit sharing amongst everybody, but if the profit sharing is increasing primarily because of Boise State, well, then, you know, Boise State has a place of saying, well, why should we all share the money that I'm making on my own and that I would make without you? So, I mean, I'm just going to be a little bit concerned about what the future holds for Boise State. Do you think Boise State and the Mountain West will be able to stay together after all this? Because once there's lawsuits and whatnot, I can only imagine that that's not going to be the greatest of marriages as we go forward.
1: No, of course not. And I think they need to restructure their whole situation. What does Boise State have to do with the East? I thought these football conferences were regional. You don't see the SEC going out to Southern Cal. You don't see the SEC going up to Notre Dame. Uh, what what benefit would it be for Boise State to travel east all the time for their games? These guys are always crying in poverty to the athletic directors. They don't have money to do this. Instead, Boise State's got to fly all over the world just to play some football game. what you see is stay west, in the west, where the conference is over there. They don't need to mess around with this other stuff at all.
0: And that's, and that's the thing is, you know, when we look at the, the grand scheme of things, they got to figure out what they're going to do and how they're going to do it, and would they join the American Athletic Conference in the disbanding of the Big East? Would they join the American Athletic, which came out of what the Big East used to be? Because the American is all over the country, could they look at something like that? It was brought up before. There was no interest, but now they're fighting with the Mountain West, and the schools. The school was originally supposed to join the Big East, which is now the American. So it could open a doorway. Let's see what happens. On the other side of it, Mississippi State coach Mike Leach. Now, he was the Washington State coach, and we thought he was staying the Washington State coach. Then all of a sudden, he decides to go to Mississippi State after Lane Kiffin goes to Ole Miss. That brings up that big-time rivalry. Well, guess what? Now there's a little rivalry between Mississippi State and Syracuse. Mike Leach decided to call upon defensive coordinator Zach Arnett and ask him to come be the coach for the defensive side of the ball for Mississippi State after he accepted a job to Syracuse. He just accepted the job to Syracuse. It was just announced in Syracuse. He barely had enough time to land in Syracuse and grab himself a soda from the vending machine before he was called off to Mississippi State. But here he goes. So Leach said in a statement, quote, Zach is one of the brightest defensive coaches in all of college football. Having been mentored by Rocky Long during his successful time at San Diego State, Zach understands what it takes to build and run an elite defense. So this is what's being said here by uh, Mike Leach and goes on to say, now uh, I do want to get here. Arnett said in a statement, quote, I couldn't pass up the chance to join an SEC program like Mississippi State. I'm grateful to Coach Leach and A.D. John Cohen for the opportunity to be a part of the first-class institution. Mississippi State has a history of great defenses. The staff Coach Leach has assembled is tremendous, and I can't wait to get down, I can't wait to get down there and get to work, end quote. So he says all of this, but he just accepted a job with Syracuse. So Syracuse's athletics director puts out yesterday to all of us media, he says, quote, this is John Wildhack who used to work at ESPN, he said this about the situation, quote, we are disappointed that Zach Arnett has decided not to honor the commitment he made to Syracuse University. We will continue to work diligently to find the best defensive coach for our program. End quote. Thoughts on this? I mean, Zach Arnett accepts a job, and then he puts out a statement. Well, I couldn't pass up an opportunity to be in the SEC, to be in Mississippi State. Coach Leach is amazing. Well, how about this, brother? You didn't keep your word. And uh, word to the wise, Mr. Mike Leach. I'd watch this man with a very, very close, you know, close bifocals here. I'd be trifocals, quadra, whatever you need to do. I'd be watching him very closely because his word obviously doesn't mean, Jack, you know what? What do you think about Zach Arnett agreeing to be to leave San Diego to become the defensive coordinator of Syracuse, and before his plane even cools down, he's off in Mississippi?
1: Oh, Zach, 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 you did a boo-boo, buddy. Listen, um, I had a couple things to say about that. Number one, the SEC West is not going to be like a subway event. You've got a couple of high-flyer coaches now with Mike Leach and my man Lane Train. They're going to change. They're going to turn that conference upside down. They're going to recruit well. They're going to play well. They're going to coach well. And Leach is no different than any other major college football coach. He will get the best possible person. And, you know, and this does not bode well for Syracuse, my hometown, for years. You know, it's relegating Syracuse to second place like this. Yeah, but where are you going to go, to Syracuse? Oh, gee, they do pay for there. All of a sudden, boom, another day later he goes to the SEC. He's probably going to get a million and a half. For being a defensive coordinator, for one of the best offensive-minded of coaches in the, why would you not do that? Yeah. I'm sure he gave his word, but you know, if, if Syracuse would match better salaries, they could probably keep so many coaches, but they didn't this time. You know, Zach Garnett made a big mistake. Certainly, he's he's he should be chastised, but he's going to a situation where he can't lose. So, you know, I mean, Daniel, when you think about it, you want to be you want to be a defensive coordinator for Mississippi State playing Alabama and LSU and Florida and things like that, or do you want to go to Syracuse and play in this conference? It's, it, you know, he made it. It was a terrible choice on his part. He should have never done it. But I don't. I don't hold it against him. He's going to a. He's going to a great program.
0: That's the thing. He's he's going to a great program. He's got a great head coach there in Mike Leach. It's just your word is your bond and. You know, and if you don't have your word, as Floyd Little told me years ago, if you don't have, the most valuable thing you have is your word. If you don't have your word, you got nothing. So it's just an interesting situation to be in a position where his word is obviously not worth anything. It's not worth a, you know, it's not worth a barrel of trash. And and that's just, it's unfortunate, but it's reality. And he's going to have to live with that. And, you know, if karma comes back around calling, he could, you know, do something. And Mike Leach could say, yeah, get out of here. And then, you know, somebody doesn't want to hire the guy. So, I mean, things happen. And keeping your word is a very important thing in life. I know that. I wish him all the best. I wish nothing bad on him. I wouldn't want his karma right now. But I wish nothing bad on Zach Arnett. I just know that that's, you know, for all the weeks and the months that we've been waiting, waiting, waiting in Syracuse to know who's going to lead the defense because the defense just wasn't working, the scheme wasn't working, nothing was working. I mean, we had talented guys in Syracuse, but the defensive scheme itself was garbageosa. So it wasn't working here. You bring in Zach Arnett, and, you know, it's nice to know how committed he was to Syracuse, but also let you know that he was going to leave at the first sign of a better job anyways. So he's gone. And we'll talk about that more on Friday's show. The Annoying Moment of the Week, I'm sure, will include Mr. Arnett. Now, I do want to get to this with you, Papa Joe. The College Football Playoff Selection Committee, it's important to know who's sitting there. Former Penn State Senator John Urschel, Colorado Athletic Director Rick George, and Wyoming Athletic Director Tom Berman have been named to the 13-member College Football Playoff Selection Committee, which was announced this Wednesday, uh, yesterday, for those of you watching live and listening live, January twenty second, Iowa Athletic Director Gary Barta will replace Oregon's Athletic Director. He's with the sec- he's uh, second season with the committee. He'll be the new chair of the group as Oregon Athletic Director Rob Mullins will be stepping out. Typically, the chair serves that role for two seasons, and Barta has two years left with the committee. But the chair is appointed annually. So Gary Barta, if he plays his cards right, could be spending his last two years with the committee as the chair of the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. The new committee members will begin three-year terms this spring and will replace Mullins, former Virginia Tech coach Frank Beamer, and Robert Morris University president Chris Howard. All of their terms will expire in February of this year. Now, we have a college football executive director, Bill Hancock, said, quote, Tom, Rick, and John each bring an exciting breadth of experience and expertise to the committee. All three will continue the college football playoff tradition of committee members with high integrity and passion for the sport of college football. End quote. So, thoughts on this. You know, we're seeing the Iowa Athletic Director take over as the chair, taking out the Oregon Athletic Director, who's served his time, and we have Penn State, Colorado, and Wyoming representatives coming in. Thoughts on the 13-member selection committee mixing it up a little bit here.
1: Um, I don't know about that, Daniel. You know, these these guys, uh, I could probably be a, in, in on that thing, for crying out loud. All these, all these guys are smart, and they know what they're doing, but Anywhere, I don't care how many guys are there. I don't care if they have President uh, Donald on a on the committee. You got to change the parameters before you do anything. And that's they're always going to have these arguments. They're always going to go back and forth. They're going to go for their schools and nobody else. You know, it's not going to make any sense. Uh, sure, they replace three guys with three other guys. These are all learned guys, supposed to be learned guys. We'll change the parameters of the playoff system to make it a little bit more equitable. With some of these other schools, and it'll be okay. I have no comment about either, either one of these guys. Any of them. Don't know them. Don't care to know them. But <laughs> yeah. they have got to change the parameters. If they sit down and say, "Look, at what we're doing ain't working. We got lucky this year. We got the four. We thought we got the four best teams. You know, let, let's give it a shot." But no, they're they're going to continue. These guys are going to have the same problem that the rest of the in the last several years. Not going to change, man. You know?
0: Well, and that's the thing, is like you said, you know, these are human beings. They're going to go after, they're going to go for their teams. They're going to go for their conference. If, if their team isn't in it or their team's not a part of the discussion, they'll at least go for their conference. You know, everybody's got a vested interest. You got to find people. And in this, you know, listen, I don't know any of these people, so I'm not going to sit here and say that they can or they cannot. But you would hope that they can be impartial. You would hope that they would look at the country as a whole. But, you know, when it comes to serving your own agenda, You know, there's people that do that. I mean, it's kind of like looking at the national government, right? There's people that want to serve the people and there's people that want to serve themselves and serve their state and serve their agenda and serve their, you know, future hope of running for president someday. So, you know, you never know what you're going to get when you bring these together. You just hope that you get good quality people, but you know, the representation, like you said, it could be anybody there representing any conference, any team, anybody, but the reality of it all is the big issue is the fact that there's not enough spaces in the college football playoff. There needs to be more. There needs to be at least eight. They need to let in the AAC champion, the PAC 12 champion, the big 12 champion, the big 10 champion, the ACC champion, the SEC champion. And then you got two alternates in there. And I've said it over and over and over again, you want to change Notre Dame all you have to do is tell them that they cannot qualify for the college football playoff unless they are part of a conference. If they put that out there and they say Notre Dame, you can play any one of the bowl games you want to play. Any of those thirty-plus bowl games—the Bumble Tuck Bowl, the, the you know the Big Booty Bowl, the whatever bowl you want to play—the Red Bull Bowl. I mean, it's you can be in anything, but you can't be in the college football playoff if you're not a part. of of a conference, because what do they always say to the American? Your conference isn't strong enough. Notre Dame doesn't have a conference, so you can't have an argument for one that doesn't make sense for the other. You have to be real, and the reality of it all is if you're going to keep having four, then the way things are going, the SEC is going to take every spot because outside of Clemson, I want to see LSU. I'm probably going to want to see Florida. I want to see Alabama. I might want to see Georgia. If they keep four spots, PJ, I feel like this is going to become the SEC college football playoff. (laughs)
1: Well, that's the way I've always felt, you know, that. I mean, it's great football down here. And, uh, one, one of, on a Florida note, uh, former Florida quarterback, Felipe Franks, uh, went into the transfer portal as a graduate assistant and he's going to be throwing the rock around for Arkansas. So that'll, that'll, that'll be good to see. And don't be surprised if Lane Train and, um Coach Leach steal some players too. I got to tell you, you know, when Joe was here for a couple, of, um, uh a days this last week and it was good. Oh stand be careful out there, Joe. And he uh Mary uh gave him a cup of coffee in a in an old miss cup and he she says, What's this? I said, This is this is the lane train. I am the lane train. <laughs> Daniel got it to me. And he and you're gonna drink out of the lane train. Started laughing about that. So uh, you know, that's the way it is. Uh <laughs> you know, what what can you say?
0: Shout out to you, Joseph, for for drinking out of the lane train cup. I like it. I like I like that I uh, like that he did it, but yeah, I mean it's uh, it is I mean it, that's reality and that's where we are right now. The lane train is in Ole Miss and and you know Arkansas is obviously making some change. a lot of changes in the SEC with Arkansas and Mississippi State and Ole Miss and whatnot. So it'll be interesting to see how everything is going to shake out and you know if this conference is going to continue to grow and blossom and get better because we've already seen a lot of successes. And we've seen a lot of great moments in the conference, but from the usual suspects, it'll be interesting to see uh, where they go from here and how they go from here as we step forward. That coming from...
1: I keep saying this all the time, and I say it almost weekly on the show. If the rest of the country doesn't start playing faster, they're never going to catch up. So you're going to be watching these teams forever. Until you start getting athletes that play faster, you're not going to get anywhere.
0: Well, that's the thing. The SEC is doing what they do and they're doing it proud. And we have a, a thumbs up here from, from Little Joe, meatball number one, so. Happy to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And we're also on Facebook Live during that same time as you're watching us now. Facebook.com backslash live now dt. We're inside of the Charneys Men's Wear and Tuxedo Studios. Papa Joe and I are finishing up things right now. And then we'll get into my special with the East Syracuse Manoa Boys Basketball Team. The ESM Spartans. That fantastic looking logo right there. And that is brought to you by Trapper's Pizza Pub. Where we did our first ever jump off show with ESM. We did that at Trapper's Pizza Pub on 5950 Butternut Drive this past Tuesday, January or January 21st, pardon me here, as I'm uh, getting all my day... It's crazy to me that it's already January 23rd. I feel like the ball just dropped, folks, but happy to be here with you, hanging out with you, and thank you so much for spending some time with Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. So with that being said, I do want to get to uh, one final piece here with PJPJ, PJ, and that is the Pro Bowl being... Down in the great state of Florida. I got to have Mike Sofka, who's down there in Florida with me. He's with me every Wednesday, halloffamefantasyfootball.com. Him and I do fantasy football advice and talk about the NFL every Wednesday from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern time, right here on Wake Up Call inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studio. So him and I uh, were talking yesterday, but we did something we've never done before. He went on site to the Pro Bowl festivities and at Disney, at ESPN Wide World of Sports, and was there shooting live footage with us while we were hanging out. So we got to see him, we got to see the field, and he actually, there was a Philadelphia Eagles fan behind him and an Indianapolis Colts fan behind him, and he tabbed both of them and said, hey guys, would you like to talk on our live broadcast? And we got an analysis of both teams from these fans in the moment, impromptu, just man on the street type of stuff, which was really, really cool. PJ, what do you think about Pro Bowl being down in Orlando? It's at the Camping World Stadium where Syracuse played their bowl game just a season ago, and, you know, the old Citrus Bowl. Disney has jumped onto this. Disney has them at the wide world of sports. There's events to meet the players Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. There's things all weekend long. They have truly made this almost a full entire week for the Pro Bowl down in a place where tourism has, you know, a, a giant uh, capital T in, in Orlando and in Disney. What's your thoughts on how Disney and the city have embraced the Pro Bowl?
1: Well, I think it's it's good for the city, and it's, it's probably good for Disney, but I'm not a Pro Bowl fan. I, I don't like the Pro Bowl, don't like to see it, don't want to see it. I'm not going to see it. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's the Pro Bowl shouldn't even be played. I mean, these guys risk their bodies 18 games a year with exhibitions and everything like that, and they're going to go fly around. Just because they're Pro Bowls and someone's going to get hurt, hit on a knee and, and going to cripple them, they they should play flag football for crying out loud. They don't even need to do. They should do that. I don't like the Pro Bowl. Uh, I'm happy for the city that they they made a move to bring it in, but Pro Bowl shouldn't even be there. Give them the accolades. call them all pros. Give them a little trophy, but don't put them on the field.
0: Well, and that's the thing is, you know, we have seen. Know,
1: watch it anyway.
0: Well, and we've we've seen some injuries happen. You know, and and, and that's something that. That is, you know, that people have to watch out for. And I agree with you. I think if they made it more of a skills thing, there's two things that I thought of for the Pro Bowl. If they made it, if they just focused on the skills or they made it flag football, or if they did, you know, flag football with celebrities and really focused in and zeroed in on that, I would be game for something like that, like a flag football where there's no cheap shots or anything of, of that matter. And then outside of that, I always said that they should do the toilet bowl where they should have the two worst teams in the NFL, the 32 conference, or thirty-two teams in the NFL franchises, that what they should do is they should take the two worst teams in the NFL, bring them to wherever the Pro Bowl was, so bring them to Orlando, and have them face off against each other for the right to the number one pick. Like, put some value in the game, because, you know, there there is no value in... And then, I mean it's you don't want guys to get injured that's the thing. I like the pro bowl festivities. I like all the stuff with the fans. I think if you told the players to come down for a week and sign autographs and do skills and drills and meet the fans and celebrity stuff and do all of that and you made it all about the fans, I'm fine well and good with that. If they did that and they didn't have the game cuz the game is where the danger comes in and that's where I can understand that people get, you know, people get nervous about that because why wouldn't you get nervous about that? When you know that you know somebody could get injured and whatnot, so I think I think if they did all of the festivities, but then maybe didn't have the tackle football, which they don't really tackle, but you know they got to do something with the game. But I think that they should always keep the fan experience.
1: Yeah, that's true, but you know they're looking for the dollar, and uh, I like the idea about uh, just coming down and doing skills stuff like that. But if you do if you do something like that, you, you know do you really? count the offensive lineman and defensive lineman in there, I don't know. I don't know, but I don't want to see it anyone hurt, so good luck with all that.
0: That's how it is. From PJ PJ coming to us, we talked about everything today. We gave you a little bit on the Pro Bowl. We also discussed the College Football Playoff Selection Committee, bringing in new members. Zach Arnett jumping ship from Syracuse before even really, truly got any you know knew anything about Syracuse, Boise State and the Mountain West having an issue, Eli Manning's retirement, Aaron Rodgers and of course the games that set up the Chiefs going up against the Niners and what I like to call the Joe Montana Super Bowl. So with that being said, Papa Joe, as always I appreciate you and I look forward to talking with you soon.
1: Okay, good show, Dennis.
0: But All right, take care. That coming from PJ. PJ this morning, and thank you to everybody that's weighed in. We're going to take a quick step aside for a fast break here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. When we spin back around, we will be with our special featuring the wonderful, wonderful people of ESM. The boys' basketball team will be joining us right after this. Fast break on Wake Up Call with Dance Torah. So listen in to our great partners in the community and then be ready for a fantastic special as we officially jump off our connection with ESM in the community right here of Central and Upstate New York.